How are you guys? So good? I too, my voice has gone down four octaves since Wednesday. So um, be with me. I'm also a little under the weather, but God is good. Amen. 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 I'm just opening up my notes here so that I don't get too far off of what I want to share with you this morning. Um, Man, like Christy said, camp was absolutely amazing. Um, This has been my third camp, uh, 24 years old, and uh, it was amazing. Um, I just was beginning to think back when I was in sixth grade, I remember going to to a camp um, in Black Lake, it was like Black Lake, Washington, in Olympia, Uh, and I got absolutely marked by God. Granted, I definitely did fall away for a bit, but it was a seed that was planted in my life. Um, and I truly believe for all you guys that were at camp this weekend, seeds were planted. Um, seeds that you may not see germinate until 15 years from now. But I believe God is going to do something absolutely radical through your life. Um, so it was so much fun. Um, we, uh, I, I did the, we, we do this thing called King of the Tarp. And um, Orlando, where you at, bro? absolutely demolished me um which was embarrassing because i had this whole game plan uh like i was just gonna like gator roll the whole time eventually get him off the mat didn't happen uh he got me off the mat but congrats it was amazing um who was here in january when my wife and i were here i just want to get a maybe okay okay that is the most incredible shirt i've seen all day it is a nike swoosh looks like a duck, and it says, just shoot it. We are in Idaho. (laughs) Yes, we are. We love America, and we love our guns. (laughs) Anyways, we could give a a hand clap to the Lord for that one. That shirt wins. That shirt wins. That's awesome. So uh, we were here in January, and uh, we had talked a little bit about uh, an event uh, that we were on our way uh, to Orlando, Florida, for a gathering called The Send. Um, Did anyone have an opportunity to watch The Send live? Okay, a few people. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? Um, I'll give you, I'm going to show you a quick video here, but before that, I'll, I'll just give you a little bit of a frame of reference of what we were believing for. Uh, we rented out the Camping World Stadium in Orlando, and we're believing for 60,000 believers to gather, um, that we could truly believe for awakening in America, and we could believe for a Jesus movement to be birthed out of America again, um, where not just... Uh, church leaders were activated to preach the gospel, but a day we could really live in and believe for that every believer would be activated with the gospel. That every young person would be able to feel the confidence to go into their high school, love on people, talk about Jesus, university students in their universities, gathering people around the gospel message, believing for whole neighborhoods to get radically transformed because a few people believe the Bible and believe that Jesus could change their neighborhood. Uh, and then the final thing we were believing for, and, and for me, being a missionary, working with uh, Youth with a Mission, um, we are believing for 5,000 missionaries uh, to sign up for missions training and sending on that day. Uh, and, and I'm going to show this video. Is the video ready, Hattie? She's getting it ready. Okay, pause it before we start. 
Okay, I'm just going to give a frame of reference. We were at, our minds were absolutely blown by what God did. Um, we, we got to see uh, around 58,000 people come to the stadium that day. Um, and God absolutely rocked our socks off. We saw a girl, she'll just share one short testimony. We're really believing, uh, one of the words that we were believing for is stadiums being filled, the glory of God falling, signs and wonders accompanying those that believe. And we saw a girl, actually a girl that um, my wife and I, uh, she came and did one of our schools in Hawaii. We knew her very well, and she had fibromyalgia. Um, and she had gotten some breakthrough, but then found herself back in a wheelchair um, and she's with uh, one of our crews in uh, Huntington Beach. They're on university campuses all across America, sharing Jesus, doing awesome stuff. And she had actually, she's a missionary, um, but she was bound to a wheelchair because of fibromyalgia. And uh, she came to the send and was honestly not there for her healing. She was just believing that God would do something in her nation. And uh, we went after miracles at one point in the gathering. And this girl, there's a photo on it where she is lifting her wheelchair above her head, completely healed. I know her personally, and she is still walking in her healing today. It was amazing. So many miracles. We got to flood the city of Orlando with around 3,000 missionaries. It was incredible. People getting healed, people getting set free, whole neighborhoods getting the gospel, Bibles handed out. It was incredible. So I want to show you guys this quick recap video, and then we'll get into it this morning. So you got to see some of the numbers. Can we just give a hand clap to Jesus for what he did? It was, it was so, so powerful to see the response in a generation. And when we say generation, I'm not just talking about you know, people with skinny jeans and, and, and pants that seem a little too tight for them. Um, I'm talking about everyone, you, me, who's alive right now on the earth, a whole generation really believing for a Jesus movement. Um, I didn't get to be alive in the 70s um, when the Jesus movement was sweeping across America and Costa Mesa, the West Coast. Um, but I'm jealous for a Jesus movement in my generation. Um, I, I didn't get to be a part of the Toronto Blessing. I, I didn't get to be a part of Brownsville. I'm jealous for a move of God in my generation. I, I'm, I'm jealous to see these young people that were at camp to see a real revival. Not just amazing revival meetings where we get a few goosebumps and God speaks a little bit, but I'm just talking a, a spillover of the glory of God that affects our government, that affects our schools, that affects our, our, our churches, our families, like the whole meal deal. I am jealous for a move of God. 
Um, and so that's what my wife and I, we are just believing for is, is a Jesus movement. That we could train and equip young people to go and bring the gospel everywhere they go. That everywhere they go, they would shake nations, shake whole cities, shake universities. So that is a little bit of what we're up to. I want to give you guys one more update. Uh, another thing that my wife and I have been, been a part of is a, a campaign in Southeast Asia. Um, because I believe this is recorded. I'm not going to say the specific nation, but if you come up to me, you can ask me and I'd love to tell you. Um, but we're in Southeast Asia, and I wanted to give you guys some numbers of, uh, we've been doing crusades, gospel, proclamation, um, and we have seen God do incredible things, incredible miracles. But beyond even what we're seeing with the gospel proclamation, we've had the opportunity to meet with government officials. Um, I actually have uh, our team right now is in Southeast Asia, and uh, they're actually meeting with the vice president. They're meeting with high members of the cabinet, talking about educational reform, talking about government reform, and really believing how the gospel can be the foundation for an awakening in a nation. Um, so God is doing incredible things. But I want to give you guys some numbers. We've been there. We've been in the nation now for about a year, going back and forth. Um, and here's some fun numbers of what God is doing. We have been able to plant over 41,000 gospel seeds, um, which has been incredible. Um, we have seen around uh, 5,000 people make first-time decisions for Christ. We've been able to gather over 1,000 pastors and leaders, um, training them on gospel proclamation, training them on church planning, but also getting to train them on really how to bring the Bible into some of the, the most unreached places in the nation. Um, and we've seen over 500 documented healings and miracles. Um, one story, we had a guy, um, we, was that the Jesus Movement Time Magazine article that I just saw? That was amazing. Never mind. Um, we just had camp. My mind's all over the place. Um, but w one miracle we saw, we had a man who came, he was 20 years deaf, and uh, sometimes in these campaigns, what we'll do is we'll, we'll preach the gospel and we'll invite people to, get, you know, to receive healing. We'll pray for them. And then we'll have them come up and share a testimony to kind of release more faith in the room. And, uh, and, 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 you know, we're trying to vet through, like, okay, you got some healing. Okay, randomly, somehow this guy gets on stage and he just talks about how deaf he is. You know, he's working through translation. He was, he was deaf in his left ear for 20 years. And he's working through translation. We're like, wait a minute, you're not healed? You're supposed to come up here and share that you're healed. You know, now we're, you know, but we're going to pray for him. We're going to believe, like, from the stage, God, could you heal him? And so we pray for this guy. We, we, we pray once. He gets a little bit better. We pray a second time. And I kid you not, he is maybe a, like, he's got to be 62, 63 years old, older guy. And he is jumping around, running across the stage, hugging me, like, almost like picking me up. Because God had miraculously opened up his ear. Come on. Um, another, another man uh, that came to the meeting was completely paralyzed in his left side. He had to drag his leg around, and he wasn't able to lift his hand up fully above his head. We prayed for him in Jesus' name, and he begins to walk completely fine, and he begins to shoot his arm up. I wish I, I would have brought the photos. If you ask me, I can show you. He literally is shooting his arm up in the air as he'd been fully healed by the power of Jesus. So uh, God is doing incredible things. We're going to be there in January in Southeast Asia. Um, we're going to be doing seven simultaneous campaigns. So that will be in seven different states all over the nation. At once, the gospel will be being preached. Wow. 
So we'll be there. We're going to be bringing in over 700 missionaries. Um, Bethel Church is going to join us. We're going to have Upper Room from Dallas is going to be with us. IHOP in Kansas City. Um, a bunch of ministries just coming together, um, believing that God could do something in a nation. Isn't it more powerful when we do it together? Isn't it amazing? So God is doing incredible things. I want to give you one more update about the Send, which was the stadium gathering we did in Orlando. Uh, we're doing our next one in Brazil uh, in February of 2020. And can I tell you something insane? Brazil is ready for a gospel movement. I'm about to blow your guys' minds, okay? So within the first four hours that we opened up registration, this is, so Orlando was free, Okay, it was a free event. Anyone could come. Uh, Brazil, we had to do it a paid event. Um, certain reasons, just we, we want people, when they sign up, they're going to come for sure. So within the first four hours that we opened up registration, 40,000 tickets were sold. Oh, I'm going to blow your mind. So within the first 24 hours, we sold out our first stadium. It's an 85,000-seater in Brazil. Okay, so it gets crazier. I promise you it gets crazier. Within, the, within a week, we're like scrambling. God, what are we going to do? This is like insane. We were just trying to get 50,000 people in a stadium in Orlando that was free. We already have a, a, a filled, packed out stadium in Brazil. Okay, maybe we need to buy a second stadium. So the guys get together like, okay, we're going to rent a second stadium. They rent the second stadium. It's 55,000 capacity. And within the first 24 hours, we open up registration, sold out. Wow. And uh, we have a waiting list that has, I, I, I don't even know what it's up to right now, but I think we're about 20, 30 more thousand that are just on our waiting list. Um, we had to pause registrations because we wanted to make sure that it was an international gathering so that our friends from America could still be able to come. Um, so we're, we're contemplating a third stadium, which would be wild. Three stadiums, one time, one nation, believing for a move of God. So all that to say, Valley Church, God is up to something in the earth. And, and, and when you pray for awakening, God listens and He moves. When you pray for the high schools, when you pray for your community, God is moving. And I believe that He's sending people to the valley. And I believe awakening's coming here. If it's coming in Brazil, I'm claiming it. It has to come here in Idaho. I'm claiming it has to sweep all across America that we would believe. But do you know what? It's not going to be the traveling evangelist that comes in and speaks the most amazing meeting. It's going to be you and you and you and you empowered, believing that if you preach the gospel, if you step out in faith and share the gospel, that people will get saved. You, it is up to you. We want to see awakening. We're going to pray for awakening. We have to be willing to be the answer to our prayers. So my message this morning really is around this, but I believe some of the, in my own personal life, I've begun to disqualify myself so much. Different parts of my life where I've so disqualified myself from preaching the gospel. Or I've disqualified myself from any sort of ministry. And when I say ministry, I'm not saying vocational pastor, um, prayer team, ministry team. I'm just talking about living the Jesus lifestyle. Just living every day aware that God wants to move through me. 
but I disqualified myself, whether it was one from my past, two, whether it was from, you know, I don't believe I'm gifted enough, or three, it was, you know, I just, I just don't know if they really even want to hear it. I would, I would begin to disqualify myself from so many things, and what it actually was, it was so rooted in fear. It was so rooted in the fear of man and, and being worried about what people would say about me. So, our text this morning is going to be out of Exodus 3 and Exodus 4. Uh, the story of Moses and the burning bush and him getting his destiny calling. Um, so, I'm going to give you a little bit of context and then we're really going to, we're going to hone in on Exodus 4, 10 through 12, okay? We're going to hone in on Exodus 4, 10 through 12. So we have a moment. Moses, he's out tending the sheep. And uh, he has a moment where he's, he's walking around, he's just minding his own business, doing his job, doing the very thing he was doing every single day, and he begins to see a glow to his left, or maybe it was his right, but he's walking down and he begins to see a glow. And he looks over and he sees a bush and it had been set on fire. Now, I mean, you guys are, you know, we're kind of, this we consider the Northwest, right? We still consider this the Northwest? Okay, I thought so. Just want to make sure. I'm from Washington. You know, that's definitely Northwest. I just want to make sure Idaho, Washington, we're still, you know, we're family. Um, so we're used to like forest fires, right? We're used to, you know, the big fires, you know, Northern California, Oregon, Washington. I'm sure Idaho, you get some fires every once in a while. And every time that I've seen a fire, I see, you know, if it's the trees, a bush, whatever it is, is getting absolutely consumed. Would you not be a little bit alarmed if you saw a, a, a tree on fire and it just looked as if it normally looked? Just on fire. And it wasn't being consumed. So you've got to think, Moses already is being alarmed that he sees a bush on fire, but it's not being consumed. So, like any good man, he goes over to investigate. And as he goes over to investigate, he begins to hear a voice call out from the bush saying, Moses. That would freak me out even more. So now I have a bush on fire not being consumed, and now it's talking to me. I am off the rocker. I've lost it. Moses is like, I've spent too much time out here. I need to go back to the city. He's <laughs> like, I'm getting crazy. And so he goes out. He sees the bush. It's, being it's not being consumed by the fire, and it begins to speak to him calls him out, and then Moses has one of the most amazing encounters with God I think we see in the Bible. Moses, how many of you guys love to get like a one-on-one -on -one moment with Pastor Lynn? Like when Pastor Lynn, he's just, you sit down, get a coffee, or maybe it's Pastor Christy, or someone that you really look up to and you really honor, and you get to have like a one-on-one -on -one moment with them. And doesn't it feel so amazing when they begin to call out like your destiny? Like, Pastor Lynn, he's just telling you, like, you're amazing, like, you're called for greatness, like, da-da-da, and he's giving you, like, your full original design. Like, this is who God created you to be. Well, I don't know about you, I would probably give my life to have this moment that Moses got. Like, face to face with God Almighty, the one who created it all, and, and God begins to call out Moses' destiny. He's like, Moses, I have called you. I have set you apart to set nations free. 
Now, even when Pastor Lynn and I, I hang out with Pastor Lynn and he begins to tell me, or, you know, even if it's, it's Pastor Renee, she's probably one of the most kind, hospitable human beings on the planet. And she's always encouraging me, always telling me who I am. And, 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 and I, I'm going to believe Pastor Renee, right? I'm going to believe. I know her, her best intentions for me, but she's still human, right? So maybe I'd be like, oh, you're, Pastor Renee, you're just being nice to me. Like, you're just being nice, right? But Moses is in front of God Almighty. And he's saying, Moses, I've called you. I've called you. It's not Renee saying, God's called you. It's God himself saying, I have called you. I have set you apart. Moses, you didn't call yourself. You didn't set yourself apart. You're actually a murderer. Really. But me, God, has set you apart, and I have called you to set nations free. Would you believe God in that moment? Like one-on-one session, one-on-one moment with God? I'd be like, God, you're right. I'm sorry for the murder moment in my life. It was a low point. But, but I have come to the reality that you are right. I am called for greatness. Let's go set, let's go set nations free. Right, because God, he, he's got quite the rap sheet, right? Yeah. I mean, he's got Adam, he's got Eve, he's got the rest of them, he's got us. You know, like he's got quite the rap sheet lined up about God to say, you know what? He seems to be right time and time and time again. I'm going to believe him when he says I'm called and when I'm chosen. But Moses doesn't do that. Moses instead fights back with God. What? I won't say the word. So we're going to go back. Moses begins to go back and forth with God. And he begins to say, God, like you don't understand. First of all, bad choice of words. Like I, I have a speech impediment. Like I, I'm not always the greatest with my words. And he begins to go down this list and how he disqualifies himself from everything that God is calling him to do. You see, it wasn't God looking at him and saying, hey, you have a speech impediment, you, you know, you, you're a murderer, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of just a, a wild man isolated out here, um, you know. No, God is saying, I have called you to liberate a nation. Not once does he focus on his history, not once does he focus on his past, but he calls out his destiny. But Moses, let's go to, uh, let's go to uh, chapter 4, verse 10. It says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh Lord, I am not very good with my words. I never have been and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me. Like he's literally calling himself an idiot. Like, you know, he's, he's pretty much saying like, even though you told me all this stuff, like God, I, I know better. You know, let, let me tell you, I think I know myself a little bit better. Has anyone ever thought that you might know yourself a little bit better than God might know you? And you come up with some excuses to God? This is the moment Moses is having. And he says, he says, even though you spoke it to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses. Any question the Lord asks in the Old Testament is usually about to get the backhand of the face. You know, Job. Where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? Job, you know, like he kind of has these moments. So the Lord begins to ask Moses the question, who makes a person's mouth? I love God. <laughs> who 
decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you what to say. I began to, as I, as I was reading this one time, I began to really find myself in the story of Moses. And I really began to find myself how God has spoken so clearly, whether it was through his word, whether it was through a friend, or whether it was through my own just time with the Lord, and he's just spoken to me like the still small voice. And so many times I begin to bring up my past. I'll say, God, but you, do you remember what I did? Like, do, do you remember? And I begin to question his all-knowingness. I begin to question, like, you know, God, do you remember? Like, is this law, you know, have you forgotten about this? What's funny is he says, yeah, I did forget about your past because it's been washed by the blood. And actually, my word is calling you into destiny. Stop listening to those old things. You've thrown off that man and you've taken up a new nature. I'm calling you into your new nature. Stop living in your old man. Moses is having this moment, and I find myself so often God speaks, Jeff, I've called you to reach your city, but God, I think you're mistaken. You know, do you not know I, may, I might not be the best communicator? Do you not know I sometimes struggle with fear? I sometimes struggle with insecurity? He says, no, I know who you are. I, God, am calling you. It's not me, Jeff, calling myself. Like, this is the last thing I probably ever wanted to do. But God called me. He qualified me, not you who qualified yourself, right? So Moses is having this moment. How many times do we create excuses to God on why I can't go and do something, on why I can't go and reach my city, on why I can't go and reach my workplace, on why I can't go and impact the nations? We will, do, we will find any and everything that would disqualify us from doing some of the things that God's called us to do. But why? What is it? I think it's fear. I think it's this little bug, this little like tick of a thing in the spiritual realm. That's what I think fear is, this little tick. And, and, and sometimes you don't really know it's there until it's probably too late. Right? So it's this little tick of fear that actually wants to hinder us from doing everything that God's called us to do. Can I give you a, a definition of fear? I believe fear at its root is a deceptor. All it wants to do is deceive, 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 deceive. So fear, you can write this down. Fear wants to impose the false idea that it is up to your skills and ability. When in fact, it has nothing to do with your skills or ability and has everything to do with who he has called you to be. Okay? Fear wants to make you think that something's there when it's actually not. Let me use an example. I one time was in, uh, I was going like cliff jumping with my friends. I am freaked out of heights. Like, you can ask my wife, anyone that's close to me, Jeff, you, you know, cliff jumping is like a big thing in Hawaii. 
And uh, there you go. And, uh, and, and for me, cliff jumping is not a big thing. I, I like my life, personally. <laughs> I like to live, you know. I like my feet, you know. I like my knees not crooked out, you know. Like, I, there's certain things I like about my life. And, uh, and, and I, I'm deathly, deathly, deathly afraid of fear. But how many of you guys know when you start to get into that mode of fear, you begin to see things that aren't actually there? Like, I, I'll be like cliff jumping and all of a sudden I see 50 sharks. They're not there. My mind begins to create like, no, Jimmy, you don't understand. I just saw a 12-foot tiger shark. He's down there, mouth open, ready to get me like an M&M he just threw up. You know, like, it's like he is ready to just annihilate me. But fear, that's, that's what fear's like. It literally begins to create scenarios that aren't actually there. What are some of the scenarios that we sometimes find in the fear? Maybe it's uh, when you go and, and maybe it's, let's just take a workplace. I used to, I used to work at a, at a, at a shoe store. I sold, I sold ladies' shoes. Um, don't hate. I was making good money. It was worth it. I can tell you some really awful stories. I won't. But so many times I would find myself knowing that in my heart of hearts, like, I should share Jesus with this person. And then the fear would be, well, yeah, I might not actually get the commission from the sale. Like, what if I open up, share the gospel? She, you know, is like a full-blown atheist and kind of an extremist. She punches me in the face and, you know, I got to go work at, you know, McDonald's and, and they just only would hire me as their janitor. You know, like, I don't know what it would be. Like, like I, I begin to come up with all these excuses. Here's another one. And here's, here, this is a real excuse that I deal with right to this day. Kona, Hawaii is a really, really small town. Really, really small. Uh, our YWAM base makes up, I think, I believe it's about like 5 to 6% of the town's population. That's quite a bit, honestly. Like, you, you can feel 5%, right? You can feel 5%. And so, and, and we might not, sometimes, because we're young and we're wild, and a few years back we got really wild, we might not have the best reputation sometimes. But maybe I've made that up in my own head. You see what I'm See what's happening? And I begin to think, oh, I feel in my heart like I should go share Jesus with this person. Oh, but they've probably heard it from like a million YWAMers already. Oh, you know what? I, I'm, I just don't know if, if I, I can communicate it well enough. Or, man, I really want to represent our ministry well. Like, what if I pray for this guy and he doesn't get healed? And then I really misrepresent Jesus. What if I pray for that person and I give them a word and it's totally wrong and I misrepresent Jesus or I misrepresent my church or I misrepresent my ministry or I misrepresent what I, you know, it's just not my heart. I don't want to do that. So I'm just going to shy away and I'm just not going to share the gospel. I'm just going to, you know, I want to leave that for, you know, maybe someone that's a little bit more wild and doesn't care about what people think. You know, that's me, guys. I'm, I'm just saying, like, that is me to the core sometimes. Like, I feel the conviction of the Lord. Like, man, I need to step through the barrier of fear because God has called me to reach my city. He hasn't called me just to sit in, in, in my bubble. He's called me actually to go out and preach the gospel. Okay, can we get some more Bible? I promise you we will be closing up, and this will be incredible. We're going to get some Thai food later, you know, whatever you do on, on your Sunday afternoon. Um, that's what we do every time I'm here. We always go get Thai food afterwards. It's, 
like a clock. I love it. So what's the Bible say? It's not by might. So what's that saying? It's not by your own gifting. It's not by your own personality. If you're a millennial, it's not by your own Myers-Briggs or Enneagram. It's actually the Spirit of God who anoints you. How could God take a murderer and make him a liberator? Only by the Spirit of God, because there was nothing in Moses' life that qualified him for the job that he lived out. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, The fear of man is a snare. Say snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. You know what they say, old, old time saying is, the safest place to be is in the will of God. Right? Safest place to be is in the will of God. Now, I began to, I, when I was reading this proverb, the fear of man is a snare. I used to watch this like trapping show. You guys probably live it. I watch it. Um, <laughs> It's fine. I like coffee shops, kind of do that thing. That's my thing, you know. It's all right. So I'm watching, I'm watching this show on like trapping, and you know, and they got all these big contraptions, and they're trying to, you know, f- catch the fur and sell it, and that's how they make a living out here in, in, in Caldwell. And, um, you know, sometimes they, they have the, you know, like your, uh, your, your, your cameras that you put up on a tree so you can see all the, the deer. Guys, I'm, I'm trying here. I'm trying to relate, okay? <laughs> Come on, help me a little bit. You know, the, 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 the little camera that's kind of got night vision and you can see the animals walking by, you know, and stuff. And I remember them showing one of those cameras of a, I think it might have been a fox or it might have been something, I don't quite remember what it was, but it got trapped in one of the snares. And I literally remember watching the fox just trying to go, uh, uh, like there was no, I know, so sad for our animal lovers, it's okay. I thought this was Idaho. Just shoot it. (laughs) I'm having fun. It's family, right? It's family. And I saw this fox. Everything in its power was trying to get out of this snare, but actually its destiny now that it was caught in that snare was death. That's what the fear of man does. It catches us in the snare that there is nothing we can do to move forward, to get to where we're going, to get to where we're called to. We are trapped where we are, and our eventual destiny is actually death when we trap ourselves in the snare of the fear of man. The best way... To get over the fear of man is to give up control. Honestly. And to realize that the cost of following Jesus, we are going to have opposition. We are going to have the the guy that comes against us or the atheist that just wants to debate the whole day, all day long. We're going to have the one person that doesn't agree with our beliefs. But the reality is that we will face trials of many kind here on this earth and here in this life. But our hope is not in other people. Our hope is actually in Christ who lives inside of me. Our hope is not in what you say about me. My hope is in what he said to me already. 
So I'm not going to live waiting for your approval. I've given up control. I've given up the, the, the what you're going to say and caring about what people think. I've given up control because I know what my king has already said to me. So what you say actually doesn't matter. What you try to declare over me doesn't matter because what he's declared over me is that I'm a nation shaker. What he's declared over me is that everywhere I walk, cities cannot be the same. When I go into my workplace, it's more prosperous. When I walk into my family, I release restoration. When I walk into my church, I bring the culture of family and I bring the culture of celebration. You were created to be a city changer. We can't submit to the words that say that you're not. We can't submit to the fear of man and caring about what people think anymore. A nation needs us. And when we begin to walk in the fear of man, we rob our city from an encounter with Jesus. I'm not, I'm not condemning you. I'm literally telling you. I preach this message a lot. Why? Because I need to hear it. Because this is a battle that I am constantly, constantly, every single day, waging war against the fear of man. You see, here's the thing about Valley Church. I, I, I don't think the way that the devil can get in is through blatant sin. I think you guys love holiness. I mean, you name your camp Happy Holiness. It's awesome. I don't think it's through lying or deception that the enemy is going to creep in through Valley Church. What I think the way that the enemy wants to creep in is through the little tick in the, in the spiritual realm of the fear of man. It would say, hey, like, you know, I, I'm living the revival lifestyle in here. But, oh, it's kind of scary when I go out there. And maybe for some of you, it's, it's so small. Like it's barely got you anymore. But we cannot afford, let me rephrase that. Our city cannot afford for us to walk in the fear of man any longer. Jared, you can come up. We're going to kind of come to a close. Fear says a few things. Fear says I haven't been trained enough. Fear says that I'm not free from that one sin yet. Fear says that I ha they have probably heard this a million times. That was mine. That was personal. Fear says that I'm going to butcher this thing. These are just a few of the lies. And the whole reason I write this down is because I've struggled with them once a time in my life. This is my own testimony. This isn't me saying, listen, Valley Church, you probably uh, just feel like you're not trained enough. I'm saying sometimes I don't feel like I'm trained enough. Sometimes I feel like this person's probably heard this a million times. But what does Jesus say? It's not by... So it has nothing to do with your gifting... Oh, get free right now. It has nothing to do with the training that you've received. Maybe you didn't get to go to camp and hear how to preach the gospel in our five-finger gospel. Like maybe you've never gotten to hear that before. And we begin to disqualify ourselves, but actually it's not by might. 
It's not by power. Come on, get free. It's only by His Spirit. It has nothing to do with your appearance. And it has everything to do with who lives inside of you right now. Who is that? I know who lives in me. It's Christ in me that's the hope of glory. It's the Christ in you that's the hope of glory. It's not the anointed one that's the hope of glory. It's not the gifted one that's the hope of glory. It's Christ in you that is the hope of this city. Can I share a few funny stories to kind of close up? One thing we, we like to do in, in our ministry, and we, we kind of call it, we like to get tickled into freedom. You know, just have a little fun into freedom. Sometimes freedom and this whole concept of freedom has kind of gotten a scary rap because of some bad movies. But freedom is actually one of the most amazing things that we get to partner with God in. We get to become more like Jesus. Isn't that the best thing on the planet? Like, we get to repent. We actually don't have to stay where we're at. I don't have to continue to live in fear. I can actually live in a place of faith. I can, in, in, in Valley, I, I just want to say this. I honor you guys. Sorry, this is just, I just got distracted. Jerry, I want to honor you for the way that you've raised your kids. Gosh, man. I want to honor you for choosing Jesus. I want to honor you for the way that you've raised your kids. Seriously, I was praying over here and I just felt like God said, honor that man. You've been so faithful. The way you love your wife. The way you love your kids. That's the Jesus lifestyle. I honor that in you, man. And I know he's not the only one. There's people like, like Miss Colleen who's just burning for Jesus. Burning for Jesus. And I honor it. Then there's, there's, there's Val, who just is one of the most hospitable human beings on the planet. Come on. And for some of you, maybe I don't know as well, but I want to honor you, Valley Church. I don't ever want it to think that I'm coming in here and saying, look, this is what you're doing wrong. I want to champion you into you into the more of God. And I want to champion for the way that you love Jesus. I want to honor you for the way that you've loved God and you haven't compromised in going after the supernatural. You haven't compromised about going after the all of God. Pastors Lynn and Renee, I want to honor you for the way that you've shepherded a community. I want to honor the way that you've raised your kids as well. I want to honor your marriage. My wife and I probably talk about your marriage more than any other marriage. And the way that you love one another. The way that you're so different, you're so spunky, but the way that you just love, what you are head over heels for each other. That's right, come on. And so many of you here, you're walking in this very thing. And I just, I want to call the gold out in this church. I'm young. I'm still figuring it out. But I just want to call the gold out in you. I'm giving my life to see churches like this activated in their God-given design. That's to reach cities. That's to mobilize people to preach the gospel. 
and it's to see awakening and revival for the return of Jesus. I want to honor you guys this morning. Sorry, I'm going to share my funny stories now, but I just needed to do that. I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell a really awesome story about how I didn't have the fear of man, and then I'm going to tell you about a story where I just absolutely fell on my face. Does that work? I would just tell you about the one that I fell on my face, but I'm prideful, so I need to, you know, kind of set a foundation of like, Jeff, you're, you're still okay. Um, so it's more for me, the first story, okay? So I told, the, I told our youth this, this story uh, this weekend, or this week, and uh, one time I was uh, in Costa Mesa, California, it's just a, just a while back, and uh, actually where the birth of the Jesus movement was, and we were actually at uh, uh, the church where the, where the Jesus movement um, began to really break out. And... Um, we're like praying and we're asking God, like, Lord, we're believing for a Jesus movement. And we begin to have this encounter and we feel like the Lord calls us to like go and, is it, oh yeah, there. I told the youth, you know, when the people of God find out the spirit of God inside of them, Time Magazine gets a hold of it. And this was, I believe, 1973, 1973, Time Magazine post the Jesus Revolution. Oh, I'm waiting for them to get it again. I'm waiting. I, I, it's going to be, the next one's going to be like Jesus with a chain, probably some stunner shades on, skinny jeans, but it's going to say the Jesus revolution. Because I know all of you that were around in the 60s and 70s, 80s, that was like your jam right there. Um, so I'm going to tell two stories. Far out, man. There it is. Come on. Okay. Um, so. We're at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, praying God, do it again. And um, we, we kind of get the unction, like, man, we got to go preach the gospel. I'm, I'm closing up, I promise, I promise, okay? And uh, we're going to preach the gospel, and um, we're like, man, where would we go on a Friday night at midnight? Like, where would you go? We're like, the liquor store, duh. <laughs> so we go to the liquor store on a Friday night at midnight, and we're like, man, there is no better place to see an encounter with Jesus tonight. And so we go in there. My buddy actually had met the guy, actually had talked to him about Jesus a couple weeks before. So we knew it'd be like a pretty easy place to preach the gospel. We go in there and we're like, hey, bro, can we, um, can we share the gospel to people that walk into your store? And he's like, yeah, go for it. I got nothing else to do on a Friday night <laughs> except be here, free entertainment. And, uh, and so we just start going for it. We post up at the door. First guy and girl walk in. It's a guy and a prostitute. And they walk into this liquor store. And uh, my buddies, I'm kind of over here, you know, just praying, believing for wildness to break out. And they begin to get words of knowledge and start prophesying over this guy. Well, he ends up giving his life to the Lord right there in that moment. The prostitute actually had a flu, ends up getting completely healed by the power of God. They, they come into the liquor store, probably to get liquor, and they literally walk out and don't even remember why they came in there. Amazing. So then I'm like, man, I want to try. And, uh, and so I kind of literally post up at the like door. Like I am the first thing you see when you walk in. And I am like shining. I'm just like, Jesus. You know, kind of the, the guy you don't want to meet at a liquor store on a Friday night. Um, And we were praying, and, and one thing that marked the Jesus movement, I have a lot of mentors of mine who are alive in the Jesus movement. One of my mentors actually um, walked with Lonnie Frisbee, um, did stuff with Chuck Smith, did some of these different guys, and I asked him, 
and, and he would begin to tell me stories about the Jesus movement. And he told me one time, he said it was, it's, it was so easy to preach the gospel. Like you could literally say boo and people would get saved. You could go up to someone with the Bible and say the word of the Lord says that today is the day of salvation. Give your life to him. People on their knees give your life to Jesus. Insane. So we're remembering all these testimonies. A guy walks in. First thing he sees is me smiling. And I, I look at him. Something comes over to me and I say, bro, today you need to give your life back to the Lord. I'm like, what? That wasn't me at all. I don't do that. The guy literally, I kid you not, starts weeping. Weeping, weeping, weeping. He takes two steps into the liquor store. And I begin to just prophesy over him. And I tell him, today you have to give your life back to Jesus. And he looks at me and he says, I do. And so I get to pray with him right there at the front of this liquor store. And he gives his life to the Lord. Guess what he does? He turns around and forgets why he came in there. It was a matter of... We were literally there for about 35 minutes and we saw about three to four people surrender their life to Jesus, a bunch of people getting healed, miracles, it was awesome. So why do I share that story? Because this is what God wants to do in our generation. But it takes stories like my next one for us to really see stuff like this. I'm in, uh, I'm in Alabama ministering at, 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 a, at a church and uh, we're, we're out to go to a, um, an Alabama food chain unlike anything I'd ever heard of before. And we go through, I'm like, man, we should just pray for somebody. Let's just see like what God would want to say to, uh, to our, uh, our drive-through lady. And uh, I go up to her and I'm like, hey, this is a crazy question. Do you have any pain in your knee? She looks at me and she's like, no. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, you know, um, I just, just cause, you know, geez, um, Literally, I start stumbling over my words. Like, I have nothing to get out at this moment. She literally, as I'm trying to, like, explain why I asked that, she just slowly walks away. <laughs> Turns around, closes the door, and just walks away. It's okay. We still hadn't got our food yet. I'm hoping for a second chance. Another girl walks up because this girl obviously doesn't want to deal with the crazy guy in the car getting a hamburger. So this girl walks up, and I'm like, hey, crazy question. Do you have pain in your body? I try my best word of knowledge right there. Do you have pain in your body? And she's like, yeah, actually I do. I said, yes! I said, where's your pain? She says, well, my back has been hurting all day. I said, come on! Let me see your hand. So you know the hand is the landing strip for the Holy Ghost. And so I take her hand, I pray for her, and I say, test it out. And she goes, oh! I'm like, oh no. I'm like, is it better? She's like, oh, no. And she literally, I kid you not, walks away from the drive-thru. I get my shake and I just drive off. You see, it takes moments where we can just cross the chicken line of fear. Whether you succeed or whether you fail, are you going to believe what the Word of God says about your life? Are you going to believe when He says, lay your hands on the sick and they recover? Whether I see it or not today, I'm going to continue to press on and press through until I see it. Valley Church, I have a question to propose to you this morning. 
Can we obliterate the fear of man in this church? Can, can, can we just absolutely say, in this place, the fear of man does not have residence? Can we once and for all say to that little tick, it's time to take the little match to the tick and burn them off? Can we do it this morning? Okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to close up and we're going to have some fun because Renee challenged me to do a little bit of activation this morning, okay? So we're going we're gonna to close our morning. Maybe you've never been in a church service quite like this, but I want everyone to stand up. We're not going to have an altar call moment. We're going to get wild on fear, okay? How do we want to do this, Lord? Hattie, goodness. Uh, how would you guys want to do this? Should we do groups? Should we do just together as a family? Renee, what, what do you feel? Family? Okay. Okay. Do you guys remember when Pastor Christie probably taught a few months ago about the four R's? Do you guys remember that? Can I give a little bit of a refresher? So this is what we teach our people often on uh, just practical tools for freedom. Okay. The first R, does anybody remember? repent. So we need to call it for what it is. It's sin and it can't be in our life anymore. We need to repent of our sin. Repent. All it means is to turn the other way. So one, we need to repent. Two, we need to receive God's love and his forgiveness. So we need to receive the power of the cross. We remember number three, we need to rebuke that thing. You have been given authority in the name of Jesus over principalities and darkness. It's time we use it, by golly. Amen? Okay, do you remember number one? I can't just hear the young people. We remember number one? Okay, we remember number two? We remember number three? Number four is we need to replace, right? The Bible says you can bind the strong man, get him out. But if you don't fill the house with something, he's going to come back with seven of his buddies. going to be worse than before, right? So we need to replace that which we're taking out with the opposite spirit and with the Holy Spirit. Amen? So can we have some fun this morning? So I'm just, we're just going to make some declarations together. We're going to have some fun together. But here's what it requires, right? We've been given authority in the name of Jesus. Have you ever heard someone talk with authority and you're like, get out of my house? Are you going to listen to that guy? I'm like, I'm stepping right into your house. Who do you think you are? But you hear someone, get out of my house. My bad. Right? There's a different level of authority there. So we're going to take our authority this morning at church. Can we do that? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to say it and then you repeat it after me. Does that sound good? Okay. We're going to go after the fear of man. Okay, say this. Say, Jesus. Jesus. Today. Today. I repent. I for the fear of man. I call it sin. I don't want to live in it. So Holy Spirit, I receive the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ and the power of the cross. So fear of man, get out of my house. You can't have this church. You can't have my life. And you can't have my family. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right, now we got to replace it. 
Okay, say this. Say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me today with faith. Faith to move mountains. Faith for my city. Faith for my workplace. We declare over the Treasure Valley awakening, revival. We will pray, but we will be the answer. In Jesus' name. Come on, give Jesus a shout. Okay, but here, here, here's the kicker. We repented, and what happens, you all know this, as far as the east is from the west, it's just as if you've never done it, but now we got to walk in our freedom. So now we need to say, I'm free of the fear of man. Well, are you? Are you? Are we going to take ground in our city from here on out? Because no longer am I struggling with the fear of man in my workplace. High school student, junior high student, no longer am I struggling with the fear of man in my high school. University student, I'm no longer struggling with the fear of man in my university. Come on, neighborhood, it's time for Holy Ghost barbecues in Jesus' name. It's time to invite our neighborhood, our our neighbors over, say, hey, I'm going to make some barbecue. Jerry's going to make some of that amazing Mexican food that I had at his house last year. And we're just going to have a time where we get to talk about Jesus. It's time that our neighborhoods get to experience the Christ in us. Amen. Let me pray for you this morning, and we'll close service. Holy Spirit, we thank you for freedom. God, we thank you that we get to walk in the light as you're in the light, and you are faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Lord, I pray today in this church that this would be the most bold, the most fearless, the most wild company of Jesus followers in the city. God, I pray that what they walk in would spill over into the high schools. It would spill over into the universities. God, it would spill over into every single neighborhood. And Lord, we do. We declare nations will be touched from this church. I declare the Middle East today will be touched by this church. We declare the most unreached people groups in the world will be touched by this church. So Father, we love you. We love you. Come on, tell him you love him. Tell him you love him. Tell him you love him. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the power in your blood, Lord. And we declare that Caldwell, that the Treasure Valley shall be saved. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Can you just give someone a high five next to you real quick?